0: Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this time together. You know something? This is where I'm going to show you how to have life at its best. I mean, that's the deal. Jesus came so we can have a great life. You know, I was talking today. I was doing a, a, a podcast that I do with uh, with Bob and Audrey Meisner, which which comes on every Thursday, uh, Live Transformed, and. Um, and we were just talking about the fact that people just do not realize, believers don't realize that God wants you to enjoy life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that He's given us everything for our enjoyment. I don't know about you, but boy, that speaks volumes to me. And I can remember the first time I came to understand uh, that scripture or, or to recognize, uh, and I don't remember how it is in the King James, that's how it is in the original language and in other translations. But I remember in the King James, it didn't say that. You know, God wants us to enjoy life. You know why? Because if you're enjoying life because you are experiencing the goodness of God, you're experiencing all of these blessings that God brings into your life, then you recognize that God is a good God and you trust Him and you fall in love with Him. Now it's interesting, when God talks about uh, you know, trusting Him, experiencing His life, experiencing abundance, one of the really interesting things that he says is this, he says, he says, so that it will go well with your children and your children's children. Now, a legalist would read that or that passage of scripture and say, oh, so God's saying that if, you know, if we don't do everything right and trust him and then, then he's gonna make it not go well with our children, our children's children. No, the truth is, Our children and our children's children are going to learn from what we model, not just the scriptures that we spout off and talk about it. They're going to learn from how we treat them, from how we treat other people. They're going to to develop their beliefs about God around what they see in their parents and their grandparents. And uh, and, and if we represent God in really a, a negative, destructive way, then they're gonna grow up and they're not gonna trust God and their life is gonna be negative and destructive. And it's not gonna be because of what God's doing, it's gonna be because of what children, I mean, because of what parents are doing. You know, Today, I wanna talk about something that honestly, uh, you'd probably think you'd never hear me talk about, but we're gonna talk about how to break generational curses. (laughs) Now listen, Hanging here with me, real close. If you've been with me a long time, don't hit the brakes here. Hang in here with me, real close. We all know that throughout families, that there is this continuity where if you've got a corrupt, you know, a corrupt father, corrupt mother. Then that increases the likelihood of a corrupt child. In other words, if a mother or father is an alcoholic, if a mother or father is a drug addict, if a mother or father commits suicide, it increases the probability that the child will be a drug addict or, or be a drug addict or an alcoholic or commit suicide, and that the grandchild will. In other words, you see these things travel through family lineage. And so we, we take a scripture in the Bible that really doesn't use the word uh, curses and uh, it doesn't say that God will actually cause these things to happen, but we come up with this doctrine of generational curses. Now, I believe that anybody that talks about the doctrine of generational curses, they have as their intention, the desire to help people, to help people break free from the lifestyle of their parents or their grandparents or from the corruption that has been influenced on them. But the problem is all you gotta do is put a little bit of a wrong twist on that scripture. And before you know it, you're misrepresenting God and you're making it harder and more mystical for people to figure out how to actually get help. And so I'm gonna take you on a journey. And so whether you call it generational curses or whatever you call it, doesn't matter to me. I'm going to show you how to put the stop on it, how to hit the brakes for these things that are happening over and over and over uh, in, in certain families. And, you know, down through the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, and, and, and all of those factors. And I'm going to show you how simple it is to put an end to what's going on in your family generation after generation. You know, um. Uh, and, and you know, I, I I don't want you to feel like I'm just criticizing, you know, my father or my or my grandparents or anybody. I'm just I'm just talking about actual fact. But you know, I was the person in my family where the curse stopped. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying by the curse. And by the curse, I do not mean something that God did. Now, unfortunately, when we think about a curse. We think about something that God does, something that God brings on us. And that is a that is a total misunderstanding of what the scripture says. But we're, we're gonna talk about all of that. We're gonna go through all of this. As a matter of fact, this is gonna have so many layers and so many dimensions of bringing freedom to your life that it's, it's gonna be pretty amazing if you, if you really wanna know the truth. It's gonna be a journey in, in wholeness. It's gonna be a journey in the simplicity uh, of, of how faith works. It's gonna be a journey in uh, starting a generation of blessings and starting a generation after generation that lives in the favor of God. And we're even gonna talk about the favor of God and what that, what that really is about. So, you know, I hope you're gonna strap your seatbelt on. I hope you're gonna open your mind and say, you know what, man, if I can, yeah, I wanna make this journey of life at its best. Yes. If Jesus died for me to have a certain quality of life, then I have an obligation. Not, ju- not just the opportunity, but if Jesus is my Lord, I have an obligation to live the best life possible because of my life, is a light, and it's either a bright light that makes it clear, easy for people to see God, easy for people to make this journey, easy for people to trust God, or it's gonna be a dim light that causes people not to see clearly, to stumble and fall, and for life just to go wrong. So man, I'm, I'm telling you, this is just going to be another one of those eye-opening realities for you. Uh, stopping generational, curses now again hang in here with me i want to talk to you just a little bit about socialization and let me let me say this in order to face what's going on in society today what's especially what's going on in america in order to face the indoctrination of humanism and socialism that is flooding into america you have to understand what I'm gonna be talking to you about in this series. Now, you know, uh, you might be quick to say, well, humanists and socialists, they don't believe the Bible anywhere. So what does generational curses have to do with, with socialism and, and humanism? Well, I want you to realize in socialism, and this is the corruption that's happening in, in our country today. Um, you know, I'm watching today and there have just been two mass shootings. And in, in those mass shootings, of course, you know, this, this means that people who are advocates of, of uh, gun control, they stand up and suddenly they make the fight about gun control. And uh, you know, I'm not saying there's not some legitimacy in that fight. That's, I'm not saying I'm, I'm against certain aspects of that, but I'm also not saying that, that I see it the same way that they see it. Because you see, it really doesn't matter if you have gun control. or are we going to do what they did in London where then you're going to have knife control? And then after you have knife control, are you going to have butter knife control? And then after you have butter knife control and people keep killing people, are you going to have fork control? And then when you go take forks away from everybody and we're all eating with our hands and people start choking each other to death, are you going to then cut everybody's hands off? If they start killing people or with rocks, are we going to have rock control? Law never solves these these types of problems. You cannot, you cannot pass these types of laws and actually come out with the results that you want. The real reason crime is rampant in our society is because we do not, we have abandoned the biblical concepts of justice. Now, justice is not just people paying for their crimes. Justice happens when there is actually a a synchronistic balance between mercy and truth. And, and if you go truth without mercy, you always end up in harsh judgmental legalism. If you go mercy without truth, you always end up with irresponsible liberalism. And, and so usually we, we go right side, left side, and we never go down the middle and understand how to apply mercy and truth at the same time. So we're going to talk about mercy and truth and we're going to bring all of this into it. You say, man, this doesn't even sound like it's got anything to do with with ending the generational repetition of certain type of moral issues or certain type of ethical issues or certain type of drug abuse or suicide or all those kinds well, I got news for you. This is exactly what we need to be talking about. This is exactly where we need to be going. So man, I'm telling you, this is going to be powerful. So right now, our country has basically become so left of center that uh, that we have bought into you know the Freudian um, psychiatric point of view, or you might say the humanistic point of view, or the socialistic point of view, that says, that man is a product of his environment. He is a product of socialization. In other words, basically we are the product of the parents that we had, we are the product of the schools we went to, we are a product of the people that we played with when we were kids, we are a product of bullying, we're a product of Facebook. In other words, we are the product of what everyone else has has done. Now, socialization, is one of the most important biblical principles for how to live in victory, for how to you know, live a great life, for how to make life work for you instead of working against you. Now, socialization you know, is basically the concept that says we are influenced by society. See, the Bible is really, really clear about the fact that we are influenced by society. It's absolutely clear about it. And the amazing thing is because religious people have twisted the Bible so much, they don't even recognize how that God expressly talks about his mercy and how he relates to people who are a product of their society. But that does not mean that uh, truth changes. It does not mean that, uh, that, uh, people do not have to be responsible and learn and develop themselves and learn how to fit into society. So you've got, you've got society on one hand or you've got socialism on one hand that says if, if you are influenced by, if you are the product of society, then you cannot be held responsible for your actions. And I'm telling you, the more it goes that way, the more lawless it becomes. Uh, you know, in the Bible, in, in, in justice and in, in having a fair judicial system, one of the things that's, that's absolutely required is that people be accountable for their actions. People have to face the consequences of their actions. And, you know, the, uh, remember, when you're reading the Bible, two people can read the same verse and one can interpret it very negatively. One can interpret very positively. Well, what's the difference? Why why does this, who's right? Well, the truth is you interpret the Word of God based on the condition of your heart and the primary condition of your heart is what you believe about God. If you believe that God is a good God and He's only a good God, you will read a scripture and see something incredibly positive in it. If you subscribe to what religion teaches that god uses pain and suffering and all these things to teach you then you will read negativity death destruction gloom doom despair into many scriptures let me give you an example one of the most negatively quoted scriptures in the entire bible is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and you know i can even i can remember you know president obama a negatively Uh, jabbing at the scriptures around that particular verse back years ago. Now listen, the most predominant civil code in the ancient world was a Hammurabi code. And in that code of law, if somebody came and killed one of your children, you could then go kill that person, kill his children, kill his entire family. As a matter of fact, maybe even just wipe out his entire village. And this was an accepted uh, code of justice in the ancient world. And when the Bible talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, there's actually a couple of things that it's saying. Number one, it is saying that the harm that you seek to do to someone is the penalty you should pay. But even more than that is going beyond that and saying, but you can't, uh, you know, if, if if somebody were to kill one of your children, you can't, you don't have the right to kill his children because his children did not commit the crime. You don't have the right to kill his entire family. You don't have the right to kill that person's entire village. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth has those two predominant aspects in number one, the penalty that you pay is the crime that you attempted to commit or that you did commit on someone. And number two, uh, uh, paying for that crime cannot exceed the scope of what the crime was that you committed. So really an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is an incredibly fair and just policy for uh, uh, recompense, for, for paying the price, for, for uh, facing up to what you did and, and being accountable for what you did and, and you know, all those factors. But again, some people read that and turn that incredibly legalistic. Some people will read that and even go to the place that says, you should, you should go do this. Uh, well, it's not even saying that you should go do it. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, as opposed to uh, in the society that we live in today, If someone killed a member of your family, it was not a crime against a state. It was a crime against that person and their family. And that person's family, their survivors, for example, they had the right to extend mercy or they had the right to call for what the payment was going to be. Well, today, it's not that way. Today, murder is not a crime against that person. It is not a crime against that person's family. It is a crime against the state. So not that person's family, the state decides what the consequences of that will be. So that means that uh, personal involvement, personal mercy uh, can't be extended. You know, there are a lot of times when people suffer great, great, great uh, violence and their response is mercy, and their response is to find a way to help that person. But the point is, it's the right of the family. It's the right of the survivors. It's a right of the victim to make those determinations. It's not the right of the state, and it shouldn't be today. You know, how many times have you heard about, you know, criminals, uh, you know, a famous case in point, Whitey Bulger. Most of you have heard of Whitey Bulger. He was, he, he was a crime family head in uh, I believe it was the Boston area. And the FBI uh, made a deal with Whitey Bulger that if he would um, help them convict other people of crime, he would have immunity from his crime. And so Whitey Bulger murdered numerous people uh, and because of his deal with the state, uh, he, he, he he got by with it. He got by with it for years. He, he never got caught or convicted for years because it was the state. Now, let me ask you something. Was that just, was that fair to the families who lost loved ones? To the family who, who had a son or a daughter or a brother or sister murdered, And the state says, because we're we're getting information from you about other bad guys, then then you're in the clear. Is that fair? Well, no. Why is it not? why, Why do we consider it fair? We consider it fair because instead of the victims and the victims' families determining how they wanted it to go, the state determines how they want it to go. Now, let me say something on this. I'm not trying to cre- create rebellion against the state. That's, that's not my point. You know, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to follow the laws of the land unless they directly contradict Scripture. I'm going to follow them and whether I like them or whether I don't like them. Now, if it comes to, if it comes to me personally having to reject, denounce, or go against the Word of God, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I've been faced with those kinds of situations before. So that's not, you know, uh, I want you to understand I'm not calling you to be lawless. I am calling you as much as you can within the word of God to, to you know, comply, to, to honor, respect people that are in power, whether they're just or unjust. You know, the early church had to deal with the Roman government, one of the most corrupt, vile, violent governments in the world. And they found, they found a way to do it. So, so I'm not trying to get attitude, bad attitudes toward the government. I am gonna take you on a journey to realize that over generation after generation after generation, part of what socialization has done for us is created cultures where today we accept as normal that which just a few generations ago would have been been considered vile, perverse, violent, unacceptable, but we we are actually being socialized. We are actually being programmed by uh, uh, messages that are developed into society that actually <clears throat> go against the word of God. Now, we, I, I'm not out. I'm not out there trying to change everybody else. I'm not a revolutionary who is trying to change the government. I'm trying to help people get whole. And if they, if as a, if, if as a nation or as a city or as a group, then we become whole and we want better laws. We'll pass them out of what's out of what's coming out of our heart. So, man, I, I hope that rant didn't get us too far off. But, but all right, so, so here's the point. So, the punishment for a crime should be the crime that I committed or the crime that I intended to commit. And the only people that really have the right to decide, do I give them mercy uh, or do I call for the full extent should be the victim and or the victim's family, not somebody else, not some, not some governmental institution. But see, we have been ushered into this, this day and age of victimhood, this day and age of codependency, this day and age that, that has totally turned the world upside down to where we call good evil and evil good. And we consider mercy, today we consider mercy to be Letting the perpetrator, letting the violent murderer get by with murder and maybe spend a few years in prison or in some cases make a deal with the state and never see one day in prison because they make a deal with the state. So, so we, we have come to a place to where uh, if you're merciful, if you're just, really what it comes down to, if you're politically correct, then uh, you're going to agree that this murder he was just a product of society and therefore we cannot really hold him or her accountable for her actions because it's not their fault, it's society's fault. Well, what I'm going to show you is one of the greatest, merciful, compassionate expressions of God it says that he takes all that into consideration in his dealings with people. Now, I don't know about you, but man, that gives me incredible, incredible hope. So, you know, the Bible talks about you know there, there's actually. Let me read you this verse here. This is a really interesting verse. And again, this is this is one of those uh, verses where where people. Um, uh, it's 2 Corinthians six fourteen, where it says, "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." Now. By and large, Christians take that to just say, don't marry an unbeliever. Well, you know what? There's a lot of Christians that are not believers. A lot of born again people that are really not believers. They believe uh, what they need to believe to get born again. They believe what they need to believe to get their sins forgiven, but they're really not walking with God. And so the, a yoke... In biblical times, and Jesus talked about, Take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is where two people harmonize. You know, the yoke was when you put an ox, you know, two oxen together, and one oxen was the lead ox and the strong ox, and the other ox was the one that was a little less strong. And so it was important that you have a lead oxen and you have a following. And the one that follows really just syncs up with the stride of the stronger one. And really, the stronger one is pulling more of the weight. The stronger one is doing more of the work. But this other one is staying in step and harmonizing with him. So the idea of taking on Jesus' yoke is about taking on his interpretation, his translation of the word of God. Jesus never said anything that God had not already said. He just showed us the proper interpretation, therefore the proper application of it. So, uh, yoking, up, yoking up with an unbeliever is when you take on the life philosophies of that unbeliever. See, Jesus came and said, this is who God is. So, if I don't accept his opinion of who God is, I am not yoked up with him. Jesus said, this is how you take all the commandments of God and apply them from the motive of love. If I reject the commandments or if I reject applying them for the motive of love, I am not yoked up with Jesus. I am not in harmony with His doctrine, with His philosophy of God, with His understanding of how all things work. So when we yoke up with the world, the problem is we take on their philosophies, their interpretation of God, their interpretation of life, how life is supposed to work, their definition of love and all those kinds of things. So, So what has happened... We have been lulled. We have been hypnotized. We have been, you know, we have been wrought to sleep, um, and given over and given up and surrendered our, our our the lordship of Jesus in our life to such a place that how we interpret life, how we interpret justice, how we interpret everything, and how we try to deal with people's problems, is not yoked up with God. It's not yoked up with the Lord Jesus. It's not yoked up with the Word of God. It is yoked up with, with uh, Freudianism. It's yoked up with humanism. It's yoked up with socialism. Now, I, I want to tell you something. And Many people have said to me, Jim, you have a lot to say about socialism. Absolutely, I do. Socialism is the most deceptive world governmental philosophy that there is. Because socialism promises you all the things that Jesus promises. Socialism promises you a utopian world. It promises you a social harmony. It promises you prosperity for everyone. It promises you all the things that the Word of God says are yours, but the difference is you don't yoke up with God to get these things. You yoke up with doctrines and philosophies and opinions that actually go against the Word of God. the sad thing is that they get the promises right. They get certain parts of it right. In other words, yes. Are we influenced by society and culture? Absolutely. But do we solve the problem the way modern society says to solve the problem? No, because that puts us harmonizing, yoking up with Lucifer. Now, listen. This is not going to be a negative thing. This is going to take you more into the mercy of God, the goodness of God. It's going to explode your faith in ways you can't imagine. And listen, you want to be sure and check out, go to my website and check out the incredible series that that I'm presenting with this that will take you into all the details that you'll need to know to make this journey into the incredible goodness of God. How to walk with God, how to yoke up with God, get the best that life has to offer without selling out to the world. I'll be talking to you again next week.